All righty, it's lovely to be with you. Thank you so much. Uh, delightful to be part of the worship of God and to Pastor John and Mundry and the staff. We wanted to say thank you for the opportunity. We honor you guys and what a beautiful church this is. I had a few words. I had a, a word for Jason. Is Jason back there? Oh, Jason, right there. Uh, Jason, I saw while you were leading worship, I saw the Lord put um, something on your arms. It looked like massive and uh, almost like boxing gloves. And I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you. He said, you're going to punch above your weight. Um, God's going to give you authority that's significantly beyond your years or your experience. And you're going to punch above your weight significantly. This is why. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, look, the fields are white for harvest. And he said, other people have sowed. The prophets for hundreds of years have sowed, poured their blood, their life this. And he said, now finally, this is the generation where the fields are ripe. And he said to, the, he said to his disciples, you didn't, this harvest, you didn't sow for it. But you can now currently draw the wages of a reaper's. And I think there is, a, there is a thing that God has been working for years. There is the harvest, this is the phrase the Lord used, the harvest of many years. And I feel like the offer of God to you, to your siblings, to this generation, there is a harvest of many years coming on this nation. And this is why you're gonna, you're gonna walk in an upgraded, you're gonna punch above your weight. There's gonna be authority. There's a harvest that other people have poured their life into. There's blood in the soil of this nation. People have poured their life and their sweat and their faith. There's a harvest of many years coming. And as a representative of this generation, the Lord wanted to just pick you up and say, watch what God will do. God's gonna release an authority that's coming. Amen. Good morning, Choose Life. It's such an honor to be here and to Pastor John and the eldership. It's a really a privilege to be with you always. I always submit this word to the governing eldership and it's for you to weigh before the Lord. But I was praying for you as a church before we came and this is what I believe the Lord has for you. He says many will come through these doors and will recognize the God they had forgotten. They will see that he is good and kind and faithful. The wounded will come here and find healing because they will find the love of the Father among you. The love of God is so clearly among you. While I was praying for you, I saw this massive flame in the middle of your sanctuary here and I felt like the Lord said there's a purity here that he loves. And he's very protective over that. There's a new season for you as a church. There's a turning of the page into greater freedom, greater provision, and greater favor as a, as a church, but also greater favor in the city. I believe there's a call on you to bring unity among the different denominations. And I, I had this picture of um, like a, if you have a bag and you pull the string and you pull it together, pull it close, there's something on you in this season to pull different denominations close together, where there's been a mindset of your ministry and my ministry I see this leadership being very instrumental in breaking down walls as a body Amen. to honor one another. And I see you reaching across denominational lines to bring a mindset of unity. I believe the Lord says there's a grace on this church to release healing through worship. And I see God extending your boundary lines in the area of worship. More freedom, more space. There's a beautiful freedom in, in worship here. I believe the Lord's extending that. 
so that you catch the wind of the Spirit even more and more and more songs coming from this house. I believe the Lord said there's gonna be spontaneous healings and encounters with the love of God that are gonna happen during worship. You're a people that we know you've experienced some deep loss, but I believe the Lord says you navigated this with great faith amidst the pain. You're a people who have sowed in tears and there's a great harvest of blessing for you. To the leadership, I believe the Father says to you, well done. You've led your people through a long storm and you faithfully have stayed in front of your people to guide and to protect. The Lord says, you've sought me and you've known what it's like to look for the pillar of fire in the middle of the night. You know what it's like to follow my lead. You've looked for the voice of the Lord and you followed that. And in times when you, you have felt pulled this way and that way, you've held steady even when it hasn't been popular. And the Lord says he's tested your hearts and you've not bowed to the temptation of bitterness, but you've kept your eyes on me and at times you've chosen a lonely path. And the Lord says to you, well done. I believe there are testimonies of the supernatural coming from this house that are meant to be heard in this region. This is your season of more. I feel like the Lord says to you, choose life. Be expectant of great things because he's destined you for greatness. During the worship, I felt like the Lord was healing hearts today, physical hearts, as well as emotional heartbreak. I really feel like even during the worship, God's already started that. I feel like as as we were worshiping, the Lord was pouring oil onto hearts that needed healing. So if that is you, be expectant for that. I'd love to Yeah, I've got some words too, so, okay. so we'll pray for everybody. I think we need to pray, so let me just, you, you have more? Pray for the church? Yeah, just in one second. There's a, a lady here called Cecilia or Cecile, and uh, you have a knuckle that is really painful. It may be, and I feel like the Lord wants to heal that. There's Brian. Uh, the Lord spoke to me about a Brian who has difficulties with uh, speech right at the moment, throat um, uh, difficulties. And there's a lady called Hope. I believe your birthday is February 8th. The Lord spoke about uh, you've been crying out for favor, an opportunity for one of your children, and it seems impossible. God wants to, I'm not sure it's all your children, but one of your children, God is going to prosper. So um, then I felt like the Lord, usually what, whenever we travel, the Lord gives us, because um, we're always asking, well, what are you doing in this church? Um, I remember Graham Cook joked. He said, once he sat outside the church, he said, Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord said, I don't know. I've never been in there. <laughs> so <I was> just, <laughs> bad, bad joke. Bad joke. Um, <clears throat> but um, we always like to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing in this church? And um, oftentimes the Lord gives us, a, the, he says, this is what I'm doing. And then many, many times the Lord has released a, a, a physical demonstration of a, of a spiritual truth. And I felt like the Lord said he's bringing, he's this break, Every, everything that wants to limit you, God is vehemently anti. He's breaking people free. So I thought any, anyone who's got migraine headaches that feels like a band around you, debt. Anybody who's got crippling debt, the Lord wants to just smack that thing for you. And so um, if, if you are any one of these people that have had any of these words, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to pray for people. We're just going to pray the Lord does all of that whether it was the heart or one of those specific things or you have migraine headaches or anything any sort of that, that would cripple you, crippling debt, anything that restrains you. Amen. Why don't you stand now? Thank you. You pray that. Father, we just thank you that you are the God who heals. Yeah. 
We thank you, Jesus, that you took all that infirmity on the cross. Yeah. And we thank you, Father, that you are here, Lord, to, to heal and restore your people today. So we rebuke every spirit of infirmity. We command you to leave. Yeah. We say you back off right. in the name of Get Jesus. Off. We command every spirit of infirmity, every migraine, every heart issue, every place where the enemies try to come in. Father, we thank you now for your healing. We thank you, Lord, that rain falls, healing rain on your people in Jesus' name. And and Father, I just agree with that, uh, against that spirit of unbelief that says God could not possibly, could not possibly break this debt. I break you, lying thief. But Father, I release in Jesus' name supernatural provision, supernatural breakthrough, open windows, open doors, and I release it now in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I just release blessing and provision over Choose Life. I thank you, Father, for this leadership that have led through the storm. But now, Father, I thank you for harvest time. Lord, I thank you for souls being saved. I thank you for beautiful encounters with the love of God. I thank you, Father, that you are setting up this church to be known as a place of the miraculous. I thank you, Father, for miracle encounters and healings that will come forth from this house. Lord, I thank you, Father, for unity amongst denominations. Lord, for the pulling together of ministers of the gospel. Lord, we don't have to agree to be in unity, Lord, but there's a unity in the spirit that breaks the yoke. And I thank you, Father, for the call to unity, the unity, Lord, of ministers around this nation coming from this house. We thank you for it, Lord. Blessing and favor over Choose Life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. So good to be with you. I have a message for you. Why don't you turn to somebody and say he's preaching at you. (laughs) So he's really going after you. There are three ways you can respond really well to me, if you like, because sometimes I preach, people get quieter and quieter, and then it makes me nervous. I feel like, am I really getting through? So you can say, amen. You can say, "Ana." Or my favorite one, the best that ever happened to me when I was preaching, one guy at the back said, moi man. So any one of those is perfect. Is that good? I want to preach about Jesus in the storm. Jesus in the storm, a few months back, I had a friend of mine, Leif Hetland, he was ministering at our church, and Leif preached this message, and while, I was, while he was preaching, I felt like the Lord said, this is, you need to take this with you, this is for today, so here we go. Uh, a few things that we need to just get uh, basic principles so they're all on the same page. Uh, number one is that God is going to be committed to working in you what is necessary to, work, to fulfill his work through you. So, in other words, if God just put a miracle ministry on you, and you went out, and everybody you touched got miracles, and he hadn't worked in you a necessary humility and maturity and wisdom, the miracle ministry would destroy you. Amen, Greg. I think that was very wise. <laughs> David encouraged himself in the Lord, the Bible says. So sometimes the Lord is going to do um, in you, he's going to work in you so that he can work through you. Because if God blessed you, uh, and he gave you all the answers to all the prayers you're asking, but you're not prepared for it, the blessing would destroy you, would buckle you, bend you. You don't give a three-year-old a shotgun because it's unlikely to end well. So what, what God wants to do, he's eager to work through you, but he works in you before he works through you. Okay. Number two, God's dreams for you govern his dealings with you. Okay. 
God has a dream for your life. He means to fulfill it. He, before you were ever born, uh, he, the Bible says, your eyes saw my unformed body when you knitted me together in my mother's womb in Psalm 139. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God is working in you and he's building into you the necessary building blocks, the strengths, the abilities, the giftings, because he has a dream. And so before you even drew breath, he had built into you everything that was necessary to help you get to his dream. Right, so you you were born like that. Now, when you're a baby, you, you, all of those giftings are there, but they're in an immature form. My my little granddaughter, just leadership. She has no desire to follow, no desire. <laughs> it's an immature expression of a gifting. Does it make sense? Okay, hey, babes, it's lunchtime. We're gonna we're gonna stop playing now. We're gonna go downstairs. We're gonna eat lunch with Granny, and we're gonna come back, and then we'll play again. How's that for a plan? Granddad, that's not a plan. <laughs> you go down and eat. I'll stay here and play. Then you come up when you're finished. Now that's a plan. <laughs> Understand? Leadership. In an immature expression of leadership, but has no desire to follow. So what happens is God builds those necessary giftings in you, and then as life happens, he works with you. The dealings of God are because he has a dream. Now, if you misunderstand this, you will think the dealings of God is because he's disappointed with you. See, I just saved some of you. Some of you believe that God is dealing with you because he's disappointed, but God is dealing with you because he has a dream for you. He's not gonna back off his dream. The giftings and the callings of God are irrevocable. You are his workmanship. You bear his fingerprints created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. God will never back off his dream for you. You and I might sometimes fall short. We may become unfaithful. We may get dirty. We may mistake. But God never backs off his dream, and so his dealings are always in line with his dream. Don't misunderstand the dealings of God. They're always in line with his beautiful dream for you, which... Jeremiah 29 says, are plans to prosper you and to bless you and to give you hope and to cause you to have a future. Amen. Amen. This is what the Lord does. He goes, okay, okay. Let me show you the scripture in Isaiah. Every stroke that the Lord lays on the back of the enemy will be to the sound of timbrels and harps. The Lord says, do you get it, son? You start to praise, that's a very good soundtrack for me to beat the devil. I like, just get a nice beat going. Every lash the Lord lays on his back is to the sound of your worship. So you see that, you whoa, very cool. And then you read, and then Paul and Barnabas are taken, and they whipped, and they beaten, and they put in stocks in jail, and at midnight, they're praising God, and the Lord shakes the place and opens up the whole prison. Oh. Praise is a powerful weapon. Then you see Jehoshaphat, and he goes out, and he's outnumbered massively, and he puts the praises in front, and he says, let's just sing about the goodness of God. His mercy endures forever. And they just, when they get to the battlefield, the Lord has devastated the enemies. Praise God. What a principle. Hallelujah. Goosebumps on Sunday, and then on Monday morning, there's more enemies than you can shake a stick at. You go, it's because God hates me. Because I was exposed to my uncle's card trick or, you know, whatever. You, there's, a, there's a, instead go, go, no, 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 no. I taught you this yesterday. Now, now go. 
It's, it's not like this is a sterile classroom. I want to work in you. I want to teach you. I want to equip you so that you can reign in life by one Christ Jesus. I've got all these enemies. It's because God hates me. No, it's because he taught you yesterday. Come on, son. You know what to do. Praise me. Just begin to worship a little. Watch how I move this thing. Watch how I break through. And you just have to do that a few times. And the next time the enemy comes, he goes, praise Jesus. I'm going to slap something. <laughs> do you, does it make sense? So, so much of the church, I find so much of the church around the world misunderstands the dealings of God. God's not doing it because he hates you. He's doing it precisely because he has a dream for your life. Because he wants to teach you. Parents have this in, in perfect balance. All of us parents, we want to see our kids protected. And at the same time, we want to see them grow into mature human beings who can stand on their own. That is a delicate balance. Because left up to most moms, the child would be protected all the time. Right? And, and to be truth, some dads. And then, so you have to find this balance between, no, no, they're going to have to a little. They're going to have to push back a little. They're going to have to learn to stand on their own two feet. This is a delicate balance. What happens to the church is the moment the, moment the Lord doesn't automatically step in, we go, he hates me. He, he, he's angry with me. No, he's not. He's going, son, remember I told you? Go and do it. You can do it. Amen. It's God's Delight in us that governs his discipline of us. Proverbs 3. It's a great scripture. The Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. The Lord disciplines us just like a father who disciplines the son that he delights in. Delighted with your child and they do something wrong. What do you do? Beat them? No, you go, come here, come here. Come here, buddy. Come on now, we don't do that. Stop that. Don't do that. Let me tell you why. Make sense? So the Bible says that's how the Lord disciplines us. God is disciplining me because I'm... No, God's disciplining you because his delight is in you. His dealings are because of his dream. His disciplines are because of his delight. Now, if you get that clear in your head, you won't misunderstand the storms you've been going through in COVID. I've watched half of the church come unglued during COVID because God hates me. The amount of calls for fasting, we have to repent so that God will take COVID out of our country. This is all over Africa. Do you understand? Misunderstanding of the dealings of God. Now, I want to preach a little bit about how Jesus went through a storm because we've been, all, all of us have been through a storm. We've been through emotional storms, physical storms, spiritual storms, financial storms. Some people have been through all four at the same time, yeah. right? So we've all been through some storms. The whole world has been shaken. It has been remarkable to me that not for the last 70 years has the whole world been united in something. Since the Second World War, the whole world has never been united in an issue, except for COVID. It's fascinating. It took 10 years for AIDS to create 5 million orphans. It took two years for COVID to create the same amount of orphans. So the whole world has been unified in this. Everybody's been going through a storm. And so I, I want to talk about how Jesus went through a storm with his disciples. And there are some things that we're going to learn in the storm that are particularly helpful. Jesus has helped us in the storm, and it would be a tragedy if we came through the storm and we didn't get the lessons that he intended to give us during the storm. 
That's wasted time. Amen? So, uh, let's get there. Let's talk about the storm that Jesus sleeps through and the storm that he wants you to sleep through. There are some storms in life that Jesus calls you to sleep through. He didn't want you to be fighting the storm. He doesn't want you to be up and about and trying to... Re- let's go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is this great story. It's all over the New Testament. It's not the only place you can find it. It's found in many of the synoptic gospels. But we're going to read from here. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crown behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And there were also some other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Lord, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Can I just, does anybody else think that that's a slightly strange question? Because I think most of us would have been afraid. But Jesus finds it quite objectionable that they were. Can I just say, it's quite objectionable that the church has the same responses to unbelievers when you're going through a storm. There should be quite a significant difference between those who have no God and no hope in the world and those who are overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what the scripture says. So, that was for free. Just Why are you so afraid, he said. Do you still have no faith? The demonstration of fear in the face of a storm is an application of no faith in Jesus' head. That's interesting. People who act like that have no faith. Why are you doing that? They were terrified, and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So let's look at the story. Jesus says to his disciples, it's getting dusk. Let's go. Let's go. We're going to go over to the other side. And he brings a pillow with him. I suspect, because they don't carry pillows on boats usually. Jesus comes along with a cushion. All right, guys, you guys get going. I'm going to just be in the back here. And he curls up and he goes to sleep. Do you think Jesus didn't know the storm was coming? Of course he did. So I brought a pillow. He wanted to be comfortable. (laughs) And the wind and the waves grow continuously more ominous, and they start to swamp the boat. And now they become a severe threat. And the disciples wake Jesus up after a few minutes because they've been looking back, and he's, no, he's still sleeping. They're a little bit ticked. Yeah, he's still sleeping. And some of you are a little bit ticked because it felt like Jesus is asleep in your storm. You can feel his presence nearby. No, he's in the boat. But he's not at the level of urgency that I need him to be. I need him to be as worried as I am. Have you ever gone to the Lord worried and he's not worried? Often it happens to me. Oh, Lord. He goes, that's okay. In fact, most of the time, the Lord doesn't even want to talk about what I'm, he goes like, no, I got that. Let's talk about this. And the accusation is, you don't care. We are perishing. You shouldn't be resting. You should be panic-stricken. Your fear and anxiety level should match us. Instead, you're so calm that even the rocking and the water spilling over the boat is not waking you up. You feel, some of you, like Jesus is dispassionate and uncaring. 
while you've been rocked and swamped. He's asleep in the boat and you're in a storm. And here's the truth, as Bill Johnson says, you can have authority over any storm you can sleep through. (laughs) Discovering peace and rest in the middle of a storm is a great game. And it should be the hallmark of the church. How about the scripture says, they think it's strange that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. The world should look at the church and go, you are not responding as you ought to. Do you not understand the severity of what's going on? Yeah, no, I see that, but I see the bigger God standing significantly higher than that. It's a matter of focus. I'm not called to focus on the devil. I'm called to focus on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Paul said it this way, I'm not unaware of the devil's schemes. He didn't say I'm aware. He said I'm not unaware. The devil's here on the peripheral vision. He said, but my eyes are on Jesus. No, I see what he's doing. Don't worry. We got it. We got this. I'm not unaware. But my eyes are on Jesus. Hello. He didn't say fix your eyes on the devil. Do you know what's going on? No, no. Look at Jesus. So when circumstances rise up to confront us with ugly consequences, we must learn to master rest. How can you sleep during a storm? Because you can find peace in the storm. And when you do this, you'll find that you find rest and rejuvenation and the enemy burns out. I like that one. Rather than he's pulling the strings and I'm burning out. So Greg, this doesn't seem possible. This, this is, I mean, I'm great, I get it, I'm for it. How, how? I just want to say that it seems like Jesus expects us. Because Jesus turns and kind of rebukes the disciples. Like, he engineered this journey through the storm. He brought a cushion with him. He engineered it. The disciples were scared of the storm, then Jesus rebuked the storm. Jesus is the king of glory. Jesus understands who he is. He's clear about his identity. He's not confused. Jesus knows, I created all things. In me, all things hold together. I am before all things, and all things were created by me and for me. Everything holds at my word. I am the king of glory. And this tiny little storm goes, wah, and he gets up and he goes, be quiet. And it goes, it's like a little whipped puppy. And it just goes instantly still. And the disciples had an upgrade in their fear. They were scared. Now they're terrified. (laughs) Right? That was a helpful terrified. Because some of you are so scared of what the devil could do and what that's going on that you're not scared enough of the Lord. You have no respect. You have no awe. There's not enough. Wow. But Jesus was really clear about who he was. It's time for you to get really clear about who you are in Christ and what your role in the kingdom is. When you get clear about who you are, the storms are not that worrisome. So let's talk about how you can sleep through a storm. Number one, you have to focus on what God has said. Jesus said to the disciples, let's go to the other side. He didn't say, let's go and drown in the middle of the lake. (laughs) There's a fascinating scripture about Elijah, and he says, uh, it says of Israel, the Lord had not spoken that that they would be corrupted that they would be taken. And so this enemy came against them, and the, Lord, and the, the prophet said, no, God hasn't ordained that, so the enemy was defeated. Everything happens by the word of God. You can't go, oh, you know, this, this bad thing. No, no, God said, no, no, I'm not doing that. Jesus said, we're going over to the other side, and none of them, none of them remembered that when the storm came up. 
because their eyes were not on what he said, but on the storm. Many years ago, uh, uh, we had a bad diagnosis. Michelle had gone to the doctor. He said, look, I've got some bad news, and they did some significant tests, and he said, 50 to 70% of all the veins in all your body are blocked. It's a disease. Incurable, so sorry. And it was bad news. It wasn't happy news. I went home, I went straight to the Lord, and I said, Lord, what is going on? And this is the only answer the Lord ever gave me. Very clearly, in a, in a very clear vision, the Lord showed me my 69th birthday party. And it's a surprise party, which I hate. My wife throws me a surprise party for my 69th birthday. And the Lord gave me 15 years of notice so I could just be ready for it. But I walk up to a house that I know is mine in the vision, but it's not my current house. And I walk in the door and it's dark. And as I open up, the lights come on and there's about 40, 50 people in the room and they shout, surprise. And my wife is standing right in the front in a peach outfit that's a, a pants and jacket. And she looks beautiful and she's very healthy and she's run the whole show. I can, I can just see, she's, and it's this great party. She's, she's the master of her house and she's healthy. And that's all the Lord answered. That's all the answer he gave me. I said, Lord, what's going on? 69th surprise birthday party. Now, my brain is, because is, I would have gone, you know, if, it, if my brain was making all that stuff, there would have been a lot of different detail. So I went to Michelle. I said, listen, I don't know what else is going on, but I tell you what, I've been to our 69th birthday party, and you're fine. I said to her, when we turn 70, we'll go seek the Lord again. <laughs> but until 69, let, um, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, I, I know, I've been to my 69th birthday party. And for some of you, I need to say, that's still a way off. Because some of you are going, when was that, last year? No, I, I've, I've, <laughs> I've been to my 69th birthday party. And my wife is fine. So what happened is, because of a word of the Lord, we find rest. That thing is no longer an issue for us. Be quiet. Be quiet, you lying thief. You have no right to hope. Go away. This is who we are. Not because, we, yeah, not because we want it or because, of, because I said it, but because the Lord said it. And I believe him. So we've, we're in this bubble of peace. So two years ago, I go to the doctor and he calls me and said, listen, have you had a severe illness recently? I said, no. He said, well, that's terrible news because your blood work is so terrible. You have leukemia, and you need to go to the doctor. And I go, no, I don't. I go to my 69th birthday party. <laughs> and in the vision, I'm wearing golf, sh golf clothes. I'm playing golf at 69. But I go, no, liar. Be quiet. I'm sleeping in a storm. That's a bad, that's a bad diagnosis to get. I'm asleep in the storm. I go, no, that's rubbish. No, be quiet, you lying thief. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm sitting there at the cancer, because they send me to this cancer specialist. I'm sitting there amongst the people, and somebody asks me, what are you doing here? And I'm going, I think I'm here to minister to people. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really sure. So I go to the, the specialist, they do blood tests. He goes, I don't know why they sent you. There's nothing wrong with you. A month later, he says, but come back, because maybe, maybe, the, maybe there's something wrong with it. So I come back in a month. He goes, no, your, your test results are better now than they were. He says, you're healthy as a horse. I, I, I praised God for that healing, but what I praised God more for was the peace in the middle of the storm. Because I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping happy for that month. I'm not in doubt. 
because my eyes are not on the storm. My eyes are on what the Lord said to me. There are some things that God wants to say to you. And some of you have forgotten what God said to you. And that's why the storm is so freaky to you. That's why, it's, that's why the rocking and the water coming over the boat is so terrifying to you because you forgot what Jesus said to you. And I just want to say to you, some of you, some, maybe you need to all go back and just dig up those old prophetic words or some of the whispers that God has whispered straight to you in your journal or some of the, the, the key life scriptures that God keeps impressing on you every five years. Some of you need to just go back. You need to go get a list of all the prof- prophetic words. You need to get all the key life scriptures. Michelle and I have this. We have all our prophetic words and all the life scriptures and we read them and we think about them again because I want the word of God dwelling in my heart richly. I want it in my mind. I want it in my mouth so the next time there's a storm, I say, be quiet, you lying thief. I don't have to know all the details of the outcome because the Lord seldom shares all of those with me. But what he does share is like, this is where you get to. And I go, that's good enough for me. You can sleep through a storm when God's word is in your heart. <laughs> Peter found this out later on. <laughs> Let me just see where I am. Oh, I've got some time. Peter found this out, Acts 12. King Herod had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened due to the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended him to be put out for public trial after Passover. And the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. He's sleeping, and he's going to be killed tomorrow morning. He's bound with two chains, and centuries stand guard at the entrance, and he's got 16 soldiers. So there's, he's chained to two soldiers, and there's two standing at the gate, and they take shifts. So Peter is sitting there like this. Now, the angel comes, whacks him, has to whack him to wake him up, because he's fast asleep. Now, Peter is asleep, even though he's in a storm, because Jesus had said to Peter in John 21, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted. But when you were old, somebody else is going to dress you, stretch out your hand, and, and they'll lead you where you don't want to go. And by this, Jesus showed the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Jesus explained to Peter, they're going to crucify you when you're an old man. And Peter said, yes, Lord. So Peter's sitting there, and he's still a young man. And his arms are not stretched out. They're tied together. And Peter goes, yeah, I don't die here. I don't die here. This is not my time. I think I'm just going to drool on this guy's shoulder for a bit. <laughs> he looks kind of fat. I'll just, that's a comfortable pillow. You want to learn to sleep through a storm, you've got to get the word of God in your heart. Number two, there are storms that Jesus walks through. And this is the one I want to talk through you now. Uh, the, the scripture is found in Matthew 14, it picks up, I'm picking up with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It says, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciple picks up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And immediately, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, and after he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Now, now various synoptic gospels have the same story. One of them says, Jesus looked out and he saw them. They were about four miles out into the lake and he saw that they were straining against the oars. Some of you have been in a storm and you feel like Jesus is not even in the boat. You feel like, I cannot even see him, but just because you can't see him doesn't mean he can't see you. Ooh, 
there's a few people that was for. The boat was already a considerable distance from the land. The other version says four miles. And the buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And these people were rowing and the wind was blowing and they were rowing and the wind was blowing. Two steps forward, one step back. And they'd been at it for quite a considerable time. Jesus had sent them when the sun set. It's now, one of the versions says, the, the fourth watch, which is four to six in the morning. And the one says, shortly before dawn, in fact, Mark says that, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But they're going to get an upgrade in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take heart, it's, take courage, it's I, don't be afraid. And Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? The first time he said, where is your faith? Now he said to Peter, you have a little faith. So there was, there was an upgrade. Why did you doubt? And then he climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. The other version says, when Jesus got into the boat, as the wind died down, they, they, they found the shore. Now, this is fascinating, because Jesus is in this place, and he says to the disciples, go and feed some people. They said, Jesus, you've got to send the crowd away. Nobody's eaten for three days. They're desperately hungry. Nobody's going to leave, because you're still preaching and doing miracles. So Jesus said to the disciples, go on, you guys feed them. They go, Lord, we can't feed them. He said, feed them. They said, Lord, we can't. All we've got is these loaves and fishes. Give them to me. He said, go and tell the people to sit in groups of 50 and 100. They do. Now there's 5,000 men, not including women and children. So I think the crowd's somewhere between 15 and 20,000 people. So there's little groups of hundreds and fifties. That's a significant area. And they're all sitting down in groups. Now everybody's interest is peaked, surely. What's happening? I don't know. Jesus thinks he's going to feed you. Just sit down. Food's coming. Everyone's looking for the delivery van. Jesus looks up to heaven. Says, thanks, Father. So appreciate this opportunity. This is going to be so cool. And he breaks the bread and he gives it to the disciples. And there's 12 of them. And he says, you go and do the same. Peter's got this piece of bread. Maybe half a loaf. He goes, Lord, the first group's got 100 people, isn't it? Jesus said, go on. I think he broke off a tiny little piece. Gave it to the first guy. <laughs> By the time he got to the 15th guy, he saw nothing was changing. Broke off a slightly bigger piece. Nothing was changing. He went back to the first guy. Sorry. Yes, sir. Huh? Now, I want you to see this. Jesus only did this to 12 disciples. Each disciple must have done it to at least 1,000 people. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples, in their hands. They saw. They were handing. At least 1,000 times. Jesus only did it to them. They...
How long did it take? A couple of hours. They broke bread for hours. Miracles. Right at the tip of their fingers. Right at the tip of their fingers. Because Jesus was trying to say to them, if I can do it, you can do it in my name. If I can do it, you can do it in my name. If I can do it, you can do it in my name. This is fascinating to me. I'm just trying to find the scripture here because it says, um, let me just find it. Oh, Mark 6, verse 51. This is the other version. He says, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed. Verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Jesus said, come here. And they, miracles and miracles. And he did it, we can do it. He did it, we can do it. And they did it. And then the Bible says, he said, now go and pick up the pieces. Every single disciple came back with a basket full full of leftovers. They all came back with more leftovers than they walked away from Jesus with. You understand? And the Bible says, immediately, Jesus said, now get into the boat. Immediately, while it's fresh in their minds, while they can still feel the miracle power on their fingers, he could get into the boat, and there's a storm. And Jesus comes walking past, and they say he's a ghost. Because sometimes, when, when you think he's far away, he comes in a creative way that you didn't expect. Is it okay for God to show up in your life in a way that you didn't expect? They say, it's a ghost. He goes, no, no, it's me. And Peter says, Peter's the only one in the boat. He goes, hey, if he can do it. He said, uh, hey, Jesus, yeah, if that's you, yeah, tell me to come. Jesus said, come on. And he got out and he started walking on the water. Woo! What a party. And then he looked, stopped looking at Jesus and he started looking at the waves and the wind. He goes, whoa, I can't walk on water. Glug, glug, glug. Jesus reached out. He said, And it says the others were in awe because they had not understood the lesson Jesus was trying to teach them. Here's what you need to learn if you want to walk on water in the storm. Learn to see what God is doing. Because anything he's doing, you can do. Jesus wants to do some things in your life. And you need to learn to watch what he's doing. This means you're going to have to take a little time. You're going to have to slow down a little in your heart. Wait on the Lord and say, Lord, what is it that you're doing? Because if... If you can see him doing it, you can do it too. Jesus said this. In fact, this was his litmus test. Jesus said, I do nothing except what I've already seen the Father doing. Two storms. You want to learn to sleep in a storm? You have to know what Jesus has said and get it in your heart. You want to learn how to walk on water through the storm? You have to train yourself to listen and watch what God is doing. And if you can find out what Jesus is doing right now, you start doing that. You have power to do miraculous things when you do what Jesus is doing. There's so many people in this place that God wants to give you an upgrade of how you walk through the storm. There's an upgrade for you. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what's in the past. The Bible says if we're faithless, he remains faithful. He can't disown himself. Jesus cannot be other than loving and faithful, Right? So don't, there's no condemnation for anyone in the room. Not a single scrap. But there's an upgrade. 
There's an offer for an upgrade. You want to sleep through a storm? You want to walk on water? Jesus said, I only say what I've heard my father say. I only do what I saw my father do. Same with you. If you'll learn to say what Jesus said to you, you can sleep through the storm. And if you learn to do what Jesus is currently doing, you'll see miracles at the edge of your fingers. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this beautiful people, for this moment of time, for this opportunity in the spirit. Now, Lord, let it be according to your word. Let Jesus be honored. Let your kingdom be established. Let there be glory and honor and praises to Jesus, the only one who is worthy. May your smile and your grace and your favor be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.